on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin here, joined by our senior writer, John Talty. And John, I have a question for you. How much do you think Bryant-Denny Stadium charges for rent? Because the Texas defensive line was living in Alabama's backfield all night last night. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, we'll get into a lot here about that loss. But I would say... That's the area that I think is both most concerning and also I think if you're a fan, the most disappointing because there's just been so much talk, not just from outside experts who I like and respect, but inside that room, inside that building, inside that position group of what they're going to do this year. And I think it led to heightened expectations because for two, you know, two plus years now, they, the offensive line has not been great. They've kind of lived off their rep. And this year, they're like, you know what? They're actually going to be good. And they got pummeled. They got mauled. Whatever words you want to use, it happened to them. And there was really, I mean, I'll go back and watch the, the game after. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe JC Latham probably had the best day of the group, but it was just bad pretty much across the board. Darian Dalcourt had a rough day, uh, multiple penalties that he had uh, with some points coming off the board. Seth McLaughlin, I don't know what was happening there with some of those snap penalties and botched issues and Proctor got worked a few times. It was just a mess. And I think that's something that, you know, I think we've talked about on this show previously, like I want to see how they play against a real test. We knew Texas was going to be really good, good defensive line. Let's see how they handle it. And uh, in a pass-fail world, they absolutely failed last night. Yeah, at the very least, very hard to assign a passing grade to the offensive line. We'll recap in Alabama's 34-24 loss to Texas last Saturday. Drops the Crimson Tide to 1-1 one one overall. First home loss since 2019 against that loaded LSU squad. First non-conference home loss since 2007. Um, so pretty jarring loss all the way around, but I – I'm in agreement with you. The offensive line, I think, was kind of the biggest thing that stuck out because of how bad they were. And this was something that we kind of knew coming in. Texas defensive front, they're good. Like Tavondre Sweat, Ethan Burke. Um, they had a true freshman, Anthony Hill, who picked Texas over Alabama. He flashed last night with a couple of sacks, including one that basically ended the game. Um, I know that there's a lot of other things that we'll get to because there was a lot of things that Alabama did poorly last night. But it starts up front. 
And coming from an offensive line or coming from a unit, like you mentioned, they talked about wanting to make people quit. And J.C. Latham talked about going undefeated and winning the Joe Moore Award. Um, They had a stage with 100,000 people at Bryant-Denny with millions more watching around the country. And they did none of that. Like they just they got beat. Um, Texas sent all kinds of pressure, whether it was just the four guys rushing, whether they sent blitzes. There was one sack where I think they only sent three guys. Um, Yeah. It was not a good performance. It was not good, and it kind of set the tone for really an Alabama offense that just – they struggled, and it was so confusing to watch them struggle. Um, and we'll, Again, we'll get into this, but it, I, it really starts with that offensive line. They weren't great. Texas racked up 28 total pressures in addition to five sacks, um, in addition to four um, hits, I think it was. Like, Milrow looked all out of sorts. Um it was bad. It was really bad. And that was, I mean, I'm kind of glad we're in agreement. I know we were talking about it last night in the press box, but that the prevailing takeaway was just that knew it was going to be a challenge for Alabama to hold up against Texas defensive front. And they just, they, they did not do it. They didn't do it last night, plain and simple. Yeah. And you know, we can get into to Milrow and there are some things that, you know, I think he's just a roller coaster, you know, and I think that's, you know, if you've ever been on a roller coaster, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's bad. And I think that's kind of the Jalen Milrow experience, you know, like that, you know, those two interceptions are two of the like worst interceptions I've seen. Just just terrible throws, you know, locked in on a guy and just does it. And then, you know, that touchdown pass to Jermaine Burton was beautiful. And so he's just going to be up and down. But I think why I put more blame on the offensive line than, than Jalen is that like, to your point, watching him, like, I mean, he was just never able to get comfortable. You know, there just was, there was not a lot of time to work back there. I don't think his receivers did much for him. Again, this is a first watch. We'll rewatch it and see what things pop. But on first watch, you know, there weren't a lot of things for him to do. And so when that pocket's collapsing fast, and there was a couple of times where that I remember one play where, I mean, Proctor just got blown up like immediately and Miller had a guy on him in a second. You know, there's just not much you can do there. I mean, he's athletic and I think he was able to do the best he could, but he's not you know, he's just going to be somewhat limited in general. And so when the offensive line does, you no favors up front, it just makes it even harder. Um, and, you know, Bryce Young had those problems last year too. And Bryce Young was taken number one in the NFL draft uh, for a reason. Jalen Rowe is not going to be taken number one in the draft. And so we all kind of wondered about with that margin of error getting a lot slimmer, how, how things would work out. And what we saw against Texas is that it's going to be hard, you know, that, that, They don't have a guy who can save them the way that Bryce saved them many times over the last couple of years. And it's just going to take offensive line, you know, is going to have to improve significantly. And it's, you know, again, we could spend all day talking about all the issues because outside of Will Reichard, I think almost everything was not great uh, against Texas, but um, it's just, there's just a lot of things you can nitpick about that effort. uh, Cause I think, you know, Texas outplayed them in so many different ways and, the scariest thing to me, if I were an Alabama fan, is not just the fact that they got outplayed, but Texas just looked like the better team. I mean, if you thought about the guys who would scare you, and Alabama used to scare teams. You thought about the guys who used to scare you, who do scare you. The top three or so guys on offense are all in Texas, and the top three or so guys on defense might all be in Texas too. And that, to me, is the the difference from what we used to see from Alabama, a field of alphas who, you know, Sark talked about, used to scare teams when they walked in. I don't think teams are scared of Alabama anymore. And you saw Texas take it right to them. Yeah, no, it, it, 13-6 at halftime, and it didn't 
feel like it was that close, you know, just kind of watching the game. I mean, Alabama came out and they, they played pretty well to start. Like they established the run. The offensive line was getting some push. Um, you know, they had like 65 rushing yards in the first quarter and then they had 73 for the rest of the game. So it's like, what happened? Um, you know, I, 28 pressures from Texas defense against Alabama on 39 dropbacks. Like if it felt like Milrow was on the run for the entire game, it's because he was like, you mentioned not being able to get into a rhythm. He finished 14 to 27 for 255, two touchdowns, um, also another 70 rush yards, uh, but also through two horrible interceptions that I wouldn't put on the offensive line. But, you know, the lack of a rhythm because of the offensive line, like he's rolling out of the pocket. Um, he's looking to pass first. Um, I kind of I one question that maybe popped into my head again on the first watch. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more on the rewatch, but I kind of wanted to pose this to you. The offensive struggles, I think, start with the offensive line, but how much of this maybe is also on the coaching staff and Tommy Reese for not maybe developing a game plan to one maximize Milrose strengths, which is obviously his feet. Um, but then also like to try and mitigate Texas's defensive front a little bit, like why not get this guy out on some rollouts that kind of give him a run pass option a little bit, or, you know, it didn't seem like Proctor got a ton of chip help. Um, you know, not that it really mattered. I think a ton of the pressure came up through the middle. You mentioned McLaughlin struggling with a couple of penalties. Dow Court had a penalty that drew back a like a touchdown. Like it's, I don't, there was all sorts of issues, but wh why, why didn't it seem like that the coaching staff helped him out a little bit? I feel like there were ways to maybe mitigate it a little bit. And I just don't think we saw any of that. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that, you know, that's something that I'd like to, you know, hear more from, you know, Nick Saban too, just as they watch the film and see, you know, some of those issues. But I mean, it's sometimes it's overly simplistic to think about it this way, but just having watched the Sark era at Alabama and just watching how they performed. And again, it's not apples to apples because I think Quinn is at this point a, a significant upgrade over Jalen as a quarterback but just the, the interesting play design just getting guys in motion just just mixing it up trying to keep Alabama off balance and you could tell you know whether it's slowing it down or then going hurry up Alabama's defense had problems with it and it just it didn't feel like there was a lot of that from Alabama I mean I'll, I'll give Tommy Reese credit there there were a couple of plays that I thought were, were kind of you know fun play designs there was that one um, I think it was a Jason McCullen who felt like if Jalen hit him in in stride that's a touchdown uh, yeah I thought that was kind of a, a nice little design there but overall you know you just you would have liked to have seen more and I think it's I think you see stories I know Peyton Manning's talked about this that like the halftime adjustment thing is kind of overrated and it doesn't really happen as much as you think but so even if that said and not to come off dumb but like you just kind of wish you saw something different in the second half and you just I didn't really feel like we saw a lot of that and uh you know we'll see uh we'll see what the reaction is to it is kind of funny and just that you know Alabama fans are they're going to go back and forth on what they like and they used to hate some of the stuff Bill O'Brien did and there was a lot of the you know run the damn ball uh mantra and you know they ran the ball a lot last night and it, yeah there it is and it worked at times but I think you know, it's hard to be a one-dimensional team. And it felt like it was either a Jalen Milrow deep ball. That was that worked, you know, a couple times. Or it felt like a lot of times, it just felt like a lot of two-yard runs, you know, trying to get to the edge, not being able to do it. Trying to, you know, get through the middle, doing it every once in a while, but not a lot. And so 
I just think it's going to be a challenge for for Alabama if Tommy Reese can't figure out different ways to, like you said, utilize Jalen. And I do wonder if part of the problem is, and I pointed this out last week against Middle Tennessee State, is that like some of Jalen's like you kind of like cross field throws, like they just seem to lack zip. And I just wonder if they just don't trust him on some of these shorter intermediate like things that Sark used to do, you know, at Alabama. And we saw with, with Quinn Ewers last night, just some of the things he did. I just wonder if Tommy just doesn't trust Jill and be able to hit those throws. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. Like it was, it was really confusing, especially after the first quarter, you know, again, 65 rush yards, like they were averaging five yards a pop. Like they were, you know, I don't know if it was just Jace McClellan running his tail off or the offensive line was just getting a lot of push. Again, I'll probably rewatch it and we'll see kind of what that was in the first quarter. But I figured like, okay, they're establishing the run. Let's see a little bit of that 12 personnel that we saw a lot of in the first week and, you know, establishing the run, right. That allows you to open up play action that allows to, you know, that's going to keep the Texas defensing defense guessing. Um, gets the tight end and tight ends involved. And, you know, that just, it, I, there was just a lot of confusing things. So I, one of the things I'm really curious to ask Saban about on Monday is just like, what'd you learn from the film compared to the game plan? And, you know, what, what can you do better moving forward? Cause I, you know, Milrow played erratically. Um, the offensive line was horrible. And I just don't know that he got a lot of help. And I, which is funny because one of the bright spots I thought, again, on first watch, I don't think the receivers were all that bad yesterday. Like I, maybe one drop, maybe like, no, you know, I don't I think drops were a problem. You know, I think there were times where it felt like, you know, nobody was necessarily, you know, getting open. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Burton should have had three touchdowns, right? You know, two of them came Paul back. You know, Isaiah Bond made some tough catches. I feel like Kobe Prentice made some tough catches. I think Malik Benson might have had one kind of contested catch. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they, you know, they did what they could in that regard. And I think one of the tricky things moving forward, Cody, is – and I, Saban's not going to straight up say this or admit this, but, like – you know, they're going to keep hammering the execution, execution, execution. But like at some point you wonder, is this a talent issue? And that's a, kind of the way that I'm leaning a bit where, again, with just Texas just felt like a more talented team. And there's not going to be many others on the board that you can say that about. But if they have to play Georgia at the end of the season, Georgia's going to be on paper a more talented team. And there's a certain point you just wonder, you know, I think Jalen Miller tries really hard, but like, is he just limited ceiling wise? And is that something that they're going to keep bumping into where as much as they talk about, you know, wanting to execute and, you know, Saban's, you know, they're practicing this a million times. So it's not like they're the time and effort isn't there, but sometimes you're just limited by your abilities. Yeah. No, I'd be curious to kind of see what, what the ultimate lessons are from a game like this and how they're able to maybe structure the offense a little bit more. I mean, week two is again, it's not the end and, and you hit on it. Like they're, the rest of the schedule isn't going to feature teams that are as talented as the Texas team we saw last night. It's funny. I watched their first game against rice talking about the longhorns and that version of Texas. I didn't think was like this amazing team. It definitely wasn't the version of Texas we saw last night. The version of Texas we saw last night's absolutely a playoff contender. Um, just a super, super impressive performance overall. Um, Real quick on the flip side of things, talking about Milrow playing erratically and just under pressure almost all game. Quinn Ewers had a fantastic game, mostly because he was kept clean. Like virtually, like there was Alabama's pass rush was virtually non-existent. Um, again, another one of those things that we're going to have to go watch. You know, what's the rewatch? What exactly happened? Didn't see a ton of Dallas Turner. Didn't see a ton of Chris Braswell. Didn't see a ton of Jaheim Otis. Maybe five pressures, if that. Zero sacks. 
Um, I know initially on the first watch, I saw Dallas Turner was getting doubled a lot, but Quinn Ewers is one of those guys where, and similar a little bit to Milrow, like if you keep them clean, they play better. That's generally the rule with most quarterbacks. And Ewers was kept clean virtually all night last night, and it showed because he played really well. Um, we saw that last season, um, even though Alabama snuck out a 20 to 19 win when Ewers was in the game, he was kept clean and he played really well. I it's I'm curious, like the, there's fault on the defensive side of the ball as well, even though I would largely argue that the defense was a big reason why Alabama was even in that game in the third quarter. Um, but just the lack of communication in the secondary, um, the lack of a pass rush, like there was a lot of 2022 tendencies cropped up. Um, all throughout the Alabama team, but especially defensively against Texas last night. What did you think of the defensive performance? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, you know, I think you hit on a lot of the main issues. I mean, and Saban said after the game that, I mean, they just didn't affect Quinn at all, you know, and that's that's not what you want. You know, you don't want a guy who can throw a beautiful pass, having the time to really sit back there and set it up. That's, you know, that's a, a, a really big challenge, especially for your secondary. You know, I think that they made some mistakes. Some guys got beat, but as a whole, I thought they you know, were pretty strong, but I mean, it's, you know, I think being a cornerback and safety is, uh, you know, probably the hardest jobs in football. You know, you're just, it's just such a challenging thing. And so the more time that you give them to figure it out and do something different, just the harder it is and more pressure it puts on your cornerbacks. And it was interesting to see them go after Kool-Aid a bit, but, I mean, it's been an ongoing issue. I know we've talked about it on our boards. We've written about it. Like, you know, you think about, again, these dominant Nick Saban teams, and they were – they had some just absolute maulers up front. You know, there were some years where, I mean, they had guys who have turned out to be very, very good NFL players, and they were like eight on the, you know, the depth chart. Um, it just – it was just incredible, the talent that they had, and just the guys they were able to rotate. And – I mean, did anybody have a big impact? I didn't think so. I mean, we we talk, we hyped up Jaheim Otis a lot this offseason. Has he made a major impact so far? I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I just – I don't think there's really a dude up front right now, and I think that's a major concern. And, you know, I think that they, they made the decision, it seems like, to drop guys back in coverage more. But, you, I mean, looking back on it, I wonder um, if there was a – you know, there's maybe a little regret about not being more aggressive. You know, they, they tried a couple times. You know, there was at least one or two, I think, uh, inside linebacker blitzes. I remember bringing uh, Caleb Downs down at one point to blitz. And you know, I, I still don't know if we know an answer about what happened, why he didn't, you know, what happened, why he wasn't playing. Um, I, maybe we'll get that from Saban on Monday. But it's it's just a major issue when you can't get pressure up front. I mean, it's just simple. I mean, there's a reason why um, at the NFL level, it's so prioritized. It's why those guys make a lot of money Um, because if you can't get pressure up front, you have to just start adding more and more bodies to the mix to try to get it. And then that leaves less guys in the back. If you have four great defensive linemen or three great defensive linemen, then you can drop more guys back in coverage. I mean, it's sometimes, I don't pretend to be a football expert, but sometimes it's kind of simple. And to me, it just feels like if you don't have guys up front who can get home, which it feels like they, I mean, they did not do that against Texas. They'll probably look better against South Florida, but when they play better teams down the line, they'll continue to be an issue that just puts more pressure on having to bring more guys up. And, you know, I think that's just led to some of the issues we saw. And I just, there's, there's no easy fix there. There really isn't because I, I think that, you look to, they just have not done a great job recruiting that position the last couple of years. And that's, you know, that's an issue as well. I mean, it's, 
Cody, we can go back to, uh, you know, some of our roundtables. I think we all hinted on like defensive line, depth, all that. Like, all of us indicated it as a potential issue. And after two weeks, it is an issue. Yeah. I, you look at what are the premium positions in football today, quarterback, defensive line, or edge rusher of some capacity, and receiver. And Texas, from a talent perspective, whipped Alabama in all three of those last night. You know, I like you said, sometimes it is that simple. Like we could, we can dig into it, and I'm sure I'll probably write 2,000 words on the rewatch after I finally get through it, but. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, even with all that said, like Alabama had opportunities to win this game and yeah. didn't. And it and that's, you know, the reasons they didn't, I think, is the reason to worry about this team moving forward. Right. Like the the offensive line, the lack of execution, like there were two penalties that brought back touchdowns. You mentioned Dalcourt, the illegal man downfield, and then Caden Proctor got tagged for holding. Um you know, the, the, the receivers, like, I, I think maybe like we saw a little bit of clarity when it came to receivers bond made some, uh, made a good catch. Um, Nye blacks just picking up, I think the most targets out of the tight end room. Jermaine Burton had a really, really good game, even though two of his touchdowns got called back. Um, you know, but like, it's, I don't know, we're kind of bouncing all over the place right now, but it's, it, it was just, it was a weird performance and it was not a great performance. And I think it was kind of telling that, you know, not only was Texas just a better team, but they were significantly better at the very key positions that matter when it comes to winning in today's game. Um, you, know, you know what I think was telling, too, was just how Texas ended that game. I mean, that felt like a classic Alabama way of winning a game where they know you're running the ball and you're just going to run it down their throats over and over and over again. And they, you know, they burned seven minutes in that game. I mean, I you know, went down to the field and it's like, all right, you know, Alabama's about to get the ball. We'll see what they do. I don't know. They got another first down. We're, we're about to get the ball. It just kept happening. And eventually it's like, wait a second, the game's about to end. I and mean, it was kind of, it was shocking to me really being on Texas's sideline. And I think even they were kind of shocked that like it just kept working. And that is concerning to me from an Alabama standpoint. And is that them kind of giving up a little bit? Is that, them just again just being physically outworked i mean it probably maybe some combination of the two but that uh that's not something that happens to alabama very often and there was a lot and you know i know cody you're you've done a lot of work to understand this team but still a little new to the game but like last night is just unusual in many ways you know just it's the worst home loss saban has had from a, a point differential standpoint uh just you know again not having lost their non-conference team since 2007 and just the, again the way that they lost it in that game it's just i can't remember many alabama games ending that way so just just a weird night and even the game i mean this ended up not really mattering but i mean there was a stretch where you had the you know almost fumble almost kind of like butt fumble type thing then they gave the ball back and then like you know, Quinier Stewart pass, I got deflected and he caught it and ran. I mean, there was just, it just got weird at times. Um, and it's, so it's just, 
it just, I don't know. It's just, I think it's gonna be a fascinating rewatch for you because I can just remember in the moment feeling like this is just a bizarre game. And it reminded me of the 2015 Alabama Ole Miss game, which was also very bizarre. And, you know, if I think if you're going to take the most optimistic look moving forward of this team, that was also the earliest I can really remember Alabama losing uh, in a season. They ultimately figure out their quarterback position. They win a national championship. They were probably the most limited talent team of a Nick Saban team to win a national championship, but they figured it out. Like that loss is what crystallized different things for them. They figured out their identity moving forward, all those different things. So if you want to be an optimist, that to me is the, is the path forward. Uh, But you know, that team also had Derrick Henry on it and he's uh, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's not bad. Yeah. No, the, the, that stretch you were talking about, like in the third quarter, like, you know, Alabama scores 10 points. I they ended up taking the lead, right? Yeah. Like they 16, 13, and we're all just kind of like, what in the world? Like the defense kind of took that quarter to basically turn the game into a rock fight a little bit. Like I was I was like stunned, but I was also impressed. Like I cracked a joke in the press box. I was like, I thought I left these big 10 games, you know, back in Iowa. Like it was just it was borderline ugly. Like it, but like you know, you start to realize it's like, okay, like maybe this is what Alabama has to do if they're going to win this game. And then they take the lead. And then six plays later, Texas has a two possession lead, right? Like they, they go down the field and they score to take the lead back. Milrow throws a second pick and then very next play, boom. So 16, 13 to 27, 16, just like that. And I was like, okay, like this, that was the auto correction, right? Like there was no way that Texas has, you know, with the talent that they have on the roster, there was no way they were going to let the game stay ugly for that long, right? Like it was almost impressive the way Alabama had just slowed the game down through the third quarter. And then come the fourth quarter, Texas cracked it back open and it kind of went the way that, you know, at least through the first half, we all thought it might. I was incredibly impressed by that stretch by Texas because, and I even, I think, you know, cause it was just such a weird game and, you know, the halftime it's like, they should probably be down multiple touchdowns. They're only down one score. They're hanging around, they're hanging around. And, when they went up, I think I turned to Rodak. I was like, this feels like it's a game that Alabama's going to win, you know, because being at home, I mean, the crowd was electric at times. And Texas did a good job, I think, of taking it out. But the crowd was was very loud, one of the better crowds that I've seen in Brian Denny. And it just felt like Milrow has his kind of moment. The crowd is going wild. And that, again, there, I've seen plenty of teams crumble in Bryant Denny under those scenarios. And for Texas to just be like, nah, we got this, and to do what they did in response to that, says so a lot to think about that team's resolve and metal that they could go on the road and go down and still put that put that team away. I, it says a lot about the talent they have. I think it says a lot about the job that Sark has done in Texas that he's been able to kind of finally get them to this this moment. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they came out swinging, they came out punching, and they, you know, even when Alabama punched back, Texas got right back up, got right back in the ring, and just kept going. Um, it was really impressive to watch and you could tell early on that like, okay, like this, this Texas team is here to fight and they are not going to go home, you know, without leaving it all out there. It was really impressive to watch. Um, I guess in the way of spinning this forward a little bit, I mean, you mentioned that Alabama has had seasons before where they've lost early, they have figured things out and they end up having, you know, really, really good, even championship seasons. I'm kind of curious for you after watching last night, um, what are like, what's, a big question or two that you have for Alabama moving forward. Like what, like, what do they need? Like what, what do they need to do? Like what, what's, what's the first thing they you would address if you were saving? Yeah. I mean, I, I think 
you know, we hit on a lot of issues here, but to me, I think the offense is still the bigger concern. And I, so I think it's, they need to figure out what they want to be, you know, and I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised probably was going to happen either way, but, you know, I think playing in South Florida, if you do what you're supposed to do, I think we'll see multiple quarterbacks in that game. I thought it was telling that, you know, Nick Saban was honest and said that he did consider pulling Milrow. And to me, that means that the door is open a little bit there. And so I think that they need to figure out what's the best case scenario of Jalen as their quarterback and how do they best utilize his skill set. Um, and if he's not the guy, then consider other options. I mean, I've, I've kind of was, you and I kind of disagree in this area. I, I was of the belief that Jalen, I thought, had the highest floor of any of their options, but I thought some other guys might have higher ceilings. And I do wonder as the season goes on, if if you feel like, hey, man, like we, we're just kind of limited in some ways, like maybe we need to take a bigger swing. Is that a, a Simpson, a Buckner or something like that? I think that will be an interesting conversation moving forward. But, you know, we kind of said that they need to, you know, try to have their quarterback situation figured out by Texas. Um I think coming out of it, Jalen's still obviously the guy, but I'm I'm questioning it more. I, I think that um, to me, and I you know wrote this in the past, like to me the the biggest question was always not who started week one, but who starts the last game. And I think that's even more in question for me right now. Who ends up starting against Auburn in the Iron Bowl? So that's a big question I think moving forward. And so you got to just figure out, you know, they obviously want to be more of a running team. You can do that to some extent they had some success. Um, is that enough to beat South Florida? I think it is. Is that enough to beat Ole Miss? You know, probably. Um, is it enough to beat Mississippi state? Yeah. I think A&M even having to lose into Miami is going to be tough. And then, you know, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, like those are all going to be really tough games. And I just don't think what we saw last night is good enough to go undefeated the rest of the season. I like that the team that we saw last night, even acknowledging how good Texas is, I think they're a legitimate college ball playoff contender, but I still think we saw enough flaws from Alabama last night that probability wise, and I don't care what ESPN's FBI says, but to me, the talty probability is that there's probably another loss in the schedule, unless there's some big fixes that are made. And I think that you just have to figure out, you know, all right, if we're chalking up that our offensive line is just not going to be good in pass pro, then we need to figure out ways to move Jalen around outside the pocket or whatever it might be. There just there has to be some adjustments there because, you know, what uh, what they did last night, like what what got them there is not going to get them there, you know, um, and I think that's going to be the big concern moving forward. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see how they use the quarterbacks um, at South Florida. I'll be very curious to see how you know, how they just evolve. Like, I I think you hit on it. Like, they they don't know, or at least they have sh- – what we've seen so far, it doesn't look like they know what they want to be offensively, which is wild when you've got three quarterbacks who, you know, varying levels of passing ability, but all of them are mobile, right, to certain extents. I know Milrow's got a lot of speed, but Simpson and Buckner have both shown the ability to run the ball. Um, you know, you've got experienced receivers. um, productivity is up to you know beauties in the eye of the beholder and then you've got a deep tight end room that i know that they're very very excited about especially a guy like amari nye black who um you know has very clearly come along um you know i i there are offenses that even the dumbest football fan can be like yeah like there's a way to do this if you don't fully trust the offensive line like implement that do that i wonder if they'll do that 
against South Florida, or if we'll start to see the beginnings of that, because just, I don't know, they were so much better than middle Tennessee that we didn't need to see that in week one. But then you could just tell last night that they were just, you know, even late in the third quarter, all the way through the fourth quarter, like they would just, it would just look like desperation play after desperation play. And it's like, no, like if you've got like a system that you're good with and that, you know, your quarterback's going to excel in, like you should still be able to do that in the fourth quarter. And they just weren't doing that at all. And it was, it was jarring. It was really weird. Um, you know, I'll keep coming back to that. I was just, I was really flabbergasted by the lack of help that the offensive line and Milrow specifically got from the coaching staff last night. Just super, super bizarre. Super bizarre. And I think for me, like the biggest difference, and it's again, it's just so obvious, but it's a feeling like no matter what happened the last two years when Alabama went down and they went down, you know, by some significant uh, chunks at times, like I just always felt like Bryce was going to find a way to win. He just, and he didn't always win, but I just, you always felt like he was going to be able to do something. Whereas, you know, even when Alabama is down three points, six points, like I'm thinking, how is Jalen going to win this? Like it, it just, my mind is so flipped in that like, just because of, some of the lack of identity and just not trusting some of what I was seeing out there. Just like, man, like it almost feels like they need some crazy things to happen to win this game. Even then when they weren't, I mean, down by 10 points, I was like, yeah, this game's over, you know? And it's just like, it shouldn't feel that way, but just the way that Texas was able to put up points and the way that Alabama seemed to, you know, struggle to be consistent. That was, you know, a, you know interesting, just, I don't know, just change. And you know, the other thing too, and again, I, I don't pretend to be a smart football guy, but I do wonder if like, it seems like they want to be more of a ground and pound type. And that seems to be all the offseason hype. And they've made such a huge deal about how big all the offensive linemen are. And, you know, I wonder if that's, a, you know, there's some pass pro issues there where, cause it, the guys are big and they should be, you know, maulers, but like I, some of those guys just do, don't seem to be, you know, particularly agile on their feet and moving. I don't know. It just felt like, is that a little bit of a liability of having all these guys who are 350 plus that as big as they are, that they don't maybe move as well. And that, that might be some of the issues and that we saw in pass pro. I don't know. It's just something to, I guess, to think about moving forward. Um, if, if they do want to be ground and pound, that's great. I think they have the offensive line in theory to do it, but yeah, that might be some other issues in the pass protection area. Yeah, no, I think that'll be interesting to watch, you know, on the rewatch, um, you know, cause last week's rewatch, you know, Caden Proctor specifically, like true freshman. He didn't look like a glaring liability against Middle Tennessee, but you know, he's he's a true freshman. He won some reps, he lost some reps. Last night, again, he won some reps, he lost some reps, he lost significantly more than he won. I think at least on first watch. I'll be curious to kind of see, but like he wasn't the only one either. You know, like Seth McLaughlin, that that was his what 24th career game, 13th career start. 14th career start, something like that. And he, I mean, he got blown up through the middle, you know, and that's when you're going up against Tavondre Sweat, who Eli Gold called the Great Wall of China, effectively. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, you know, like it's always, it was always going to be a tough assignment, but I guess I, I was taken aback by how much they ultimately struggled given how much they've talked about wanting to dominate and physically, you know, intimidate people and, you know, ultimately make people quit. And, you know, you look at the stats and you look at the way it played out. Um, it looked like Alabama's offensive line was the unit that quit last night. Um, so yeah, I really curious to kind of see all of that on the rewatch. Um, anything else that really, we, we've been kind of rambling, but I, you know, not really a, line here but anything else that really kind of immediately jumped out thinking about last night's game no i think that's the big thing i mean i think you know nick saban nick saban is always very good handling losses we saw that again last night you know i think it's just you know 
I keep kind of, and I wrote a column about this, so it's why I keep coming back to it. But I mean, there was just a lot of talk this off season. And I think that's, you know, so far proven inaccurate. Um, I think everybody said all the right things last night. Every player was handling it well, talking about, you know, how they're going to move forward. All of that was great. If you're a fan and you want to be optimistic, everything that every player that I was around and everything Nick Saban said would make you feel good that, Hey, we're going to get this figured out. It's just, you know, as Nick Saban said, it's just the midterm, not the final. I'm on board with that. I get it. Well, let's see what they do against South Florida because an old school Alabama team coming off a loss would put a beat down on South Florida and they have the talent to put a beat down on South Florida. And this is a team that went one and 11 last year. So I'm just kind of like, I'm going to go into full journalist, skeptic, cynic mode on this team right now. Like, I want to show it to me, prove it to me, beat up on South Florida, beat up on Ole Miss, and then I'll start buying into it again. But right now, I think that I'm I'm just skeptical based on what we thought we knew coming into this game and then what we know, what we think we know right now coming out of it. Yeah, no, I think that's that's totally fair. I think the version of Alabama that we saw last night with an opportunity to play against a team that you know, on paper, just as talented. And then when you see them live, like very clearly, Texas is a playoff caliber team. Um, Alabama did not rise to that same level and they did not rise to that challenge, um, you know, at least when it mattered most. So, no, I'm in full agreement. Um, Does this Alabama team have the talent to get to the playoff and do what they want to do this season still? Yes, all of that is still in front of them, but got to see it. Got to see it. Same thing we were talking about the offensive line last week after Middle Tennessee. Like you say that you're a bunch of big maulers and you want to beat people up and make people quit. Got to see it. Got to yeah. see it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to us ramble a little bit. We'll be back sometime later in the week, either me and Rodak or me and Brett um, or maybe even me and John discussing the news of the week as well as previewing the game against South Florida. Until then, sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Bama247's YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe there. Subscribe to 247sports.com. A lot of things to discuss about this Alabama team. We don't want you guys to miss anything, so be sure to check out all of that. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk again soon. 